Before we get started, I just want to make a brief announcement about the state of the pod. We've been getting tons of amazing feedback from women, and it's become very clear to us that a lot of women are thirsty for this type of content. This is a niche in women's media that is desperately needed and has been neglected for a very long time. And we really want to be able to make more content. There's just one problem, and that's money. We would love to be able to quit our day jobs and work full-time on content creation. And the only thing holding us back is the fact that we got bills to pay, if I'm being totally honest. Long term, though, we would like to expand into other forms of media, such as video, TikTok, newsletters, ebooks, even like real physical books, and so on. And that's why we've set a new Patreon goal. As soon as we hit $10,000 monthly revenue, that will be enough for us to afford to quit our jobs and start working on growing FDS full time. Currently, our schedules only really allow us to post about 60 to 90 minutes of bonus content per month. And as a reward to our patrons for helping achieve this target, we will commit to posting more bonus content. So if you like FDS and you want us to grow and you want us to make more content, you can support us on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy. And for the next 48 hours, we'll be offering a limited time offer called Lurker Mode, where you can access the bonus content at a reduced price of $5.99 per month. Thank you so much to everyone who listened and shared to help us to get to where we are now. And I'm sure this is a sign of even greater things to come. Thank you. What's up, queens? Welcome to the Female Dating Strategy Podcast. I'm your host, Ro. I'm Savannah. And this is Lilith. And today we're going to talk about why men today are so... Much more terrible, it seems like, than men of previous generations. But first, before that, we got our very first roast scrote. Woo! Yeah. About to put some chestnuts over the roasting fire. Welcome to the first ever FDS barbecue. I wish we need a theme song. We need something that's like chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Something like that. I don't know. I mean, it's May. It's barbecue season. You know, we've been locked up in our igloos all winter. And the clowns have come out to play, clearly. Okay, so this roast to scrote is submitted from our Patreon subscriber, Amrita. She says, allow me to share with you a story from my pick-me days set at the beginning of the pandemic. I had just escaped an abusive relationship and had recently moved to a new city to start a job. So I took some time to walk down to the boardwalk and read a book as it was a nice sunny day. Not 30 minutes go by before a guy comes and sits on the bench closest to mine and I can feel him practically boring holes into the side of my head while I try to ignore him. Eventually, he remarks in the sunset, and I decided to humor him, because why not? He said he worked at a bank in the city and seemed well-adjusted enough and not unattractive in any way. Eventually, he gives me his number as he's, quote-unquote, left his phone at home and asked me to text him. I bemusedly accept and walk away without any intention of doing so, but a day or two passes, and I'm becoming increasingly bored again, so I think, why not? He asks me if I'd be interested in a picnic date with a view of the city, and I accept. On the day of the date, he texts me to meet him in front of the W Hotel. But when I get there, he's nowhere to be found. 
Now it's about nine degrees outside and I'm very much not a warm weather person. So I decide to just text him and wait in the lobby. About 15 to 20 minutes go by and he finally calls me. He asked me where I am with a tinge of irritation in his voice. And I tell him I'm waiting in the lobby to which he becomes even more annoyed and tells me to come outside. I exit the building and look around and there he is across the street. So I brush it off and go over to meet him. I'm surprised he's not carrying any picnic supplies with him, but he asked me if I'd like to take a quick walk along the boardwalk and then grab take out which is fine by me immediately he starts speed walking down the boardwalk and though i'm a pretty fast walker myself i'm wearing heels and a dress which make it uncomfortable to keep up see that see they thought we were crazy when we said that speed walking is a red flag yes yeah Yeah, we had a post that was like if he walks fast dump him hell yeah if he walks in front of you if he walks in front of you dump him yeah Yeah, because it's a huge red flag yeah it's like a deliberate power play because any man knows if you dress up and you got heels on it's gonna take you a while to catch up with him so usually a gentleman or a man who is the least bit considerate would like offer you his arm they'll match your pace yeah or walk at your pace they know this he should know this all right so He starts vaguely talking about work without giving any specifics. And so I listen politely and then respond with a lighthearted work story of my own, which seems to annoy him slightly. And he quickly changes the subject without even bothering to ask what it is I do. I'm a doctor and it's pretty relevant to my personal dating life. So I usually put it out there early, but I literally could not get a word in. Oh man, so many red flags. Anyway, at this point I'm sweltering hot and ask if we can make a pit stop at a cafe or something so I can pick up a cold drink, which he agrees to and speeds off towards a nearby restaurant, which was fully booked, while telling me that he doesn't drink, but is perfectly fine if I do. I eventually managed to tell him that I meant a non-alcoholic drink because I was thirsty, and he brushes it off saying, I don't have to be nice for his sake, his sake, and that he has drinks at his apartment, which is only around the corner. Oh, this is a date rapist. Fuck this guy. Oh, God. Like, the, the line about, oh, I don't drink, but I don't mind if you have one. Well, oh, how charitable of him to allow me to drink some water. Yeah. <laughs> See, this is what I'm saying. Like, there's all these little tells. And individually, men act like we're crazy but like the staring her down the being 15 to 20 minutes late the walking too fast acting irritated with her yeah already getting irritated with like oh my god this is just like it's escalating it's escalating but if you say these in individually like you guys are overreacting bullshit no we're not okay so now i know this was a stupid idea And trust me, I would never, ever do this now. But at the time, I thought, why not? I'm parched and overheating, and none of the cafes were allowing people to sit down anyway. So maybe it would be fine to just grab a glass of orange juice at his place. I'm scared. This feels like in a horror movie when they walk down into the basement and you're at the end of your seat. Like, oh no. It's almost telling how calculating this guy is. Oh, it hurts. Yeah, it's so, so shady. Like He knew exactly what he was doing, and that just gives me the creeps. So she says how wrong I was. Of course, it's okay. We all been there, sis. Well, maybe not this, but not this specifically. But (laughs) Uh, we finally get to his apartment, which is up literally five flights of rickety ass stairs. And I'm desperate for a glass of water. His apartment seems clean enough, if a little oddly decorated, but I've seen worse. So I brush it off. I want to know by oddly decorated. Is there taxidermy? What kind of oddly decorated? I need details. (laughs) But not even just that. I feel like if you're already telling yourself, well, it's not that bad. Oh, leave oh you are not impressed by that man by that time every time i've had that feeling and i didn't immediately leave i regret it because it never gets better ladies whatever state you see his home in that is the best he can do that's the best he can do uh 
so uh, he's been talking nonstop this entire time. But to be honest, I didn't hear a thing until he opened the fridge door. He says he doesn't have ice, juice, milk, or anything. But he does have a few shot bottles of Jack Daniels, which he keeps for his friends. I again tell him that I'm really just interested in the water, but he places one down in front of me anyway before returning to the sink and filling up a glass with tap water. Now, I'm not squeamish about tap water, but this water was literally lukewarm, if not actually warm. I drink it down anyway, and of course, he's been talking the entire time about how he decorated his apartment with paintings he bought at Goodwill. <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about. That's that's weird, yeah. Not to, like, like dismiss Goodwill or anything, but I don't, was that supposed to be impressive? Because, like, usually art is, like, expensive, and the reason why you brag about your art is because it's pricey. Okay, uh, I decided to take a sip of the whiskey to be polite. Oh, no! Oh, my God, Sus! <laughs> I'm upset because I'm like, oh, that's so dangerous. Like, this guy... Uh, He's, he's got all the signs of being a creep, right? Like every single one. And then if you drink whiskey at his, his house and you don't know what he put in that bottle before you got there. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. Oh, my heart. My heart can't take it, love. Um, she says, I decided to take a sip of the whiskey to be polite, but it was too somehow warm despite being in his fridge. Maybe because he was busy roofing it. <laughs> uh, and I couldn't manage more than one sip. Eventually, I convinced him that we're going to miss the sunset and we head out to the restaurant to pick up dinner. Oh, my God. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Once at the restaurant, we put in our orders. And as the waitress is turning around to tell the kitchen, he yells out that he wants separate checks. <laughs> That's a douchebag. It was though time slowed down for a moment and the waitress locks eyes with me silently asking me why and i had no answer except that i was still a pick me though he wants to wait outside in the sweltering heat i put my foot down and we wait inside while waiting he talks about how much he loves to travel and where he wants to go next i tell him about the places i visited and he expresses some interest in going there i say something to the effect of well you probably have to wait for a few months at least and he asks why i'm a bit confused at the question but i carefully note that we're at the cusp of a historic pandemic and he shrugs it off saying that he doesn't believe it's really that bad and that the media is exaggerating i cite i start citing statistics but stop short at mentioning my own patients who passed away in front of me because it feels like a conversation that i no longer want to have with him out of everything that was the moment where i decided i'd never see him again but somehow i still felt compelled to go through with dinner and at this point it was almost out of morbid curiosity than anything else let me take a deep breath and <laughs> fuck this guy. Fuck the horse he rode in on. Fuck his sweltering ass hot apartment. Fuck his goodwill paintings. Fuck his hot ass whiskey. Fuck his like, well, fuck his five flights of stairs. Fuck his rickety ass stairs. All right. One more. So we speed walk to the park, each carrying our own plastic bag of food. I thought at the very least we'd be sitting on a picnic bench, but no, he settles down cross-legged on the rain soaked grass, stating that it had been a few hours and was dry. Now, mind you, I'm wearing a white dress, but at this point I was committed. So I hunted around for a dry enough spot and settled down. No, <laughs> it's okay. You know what? Cause like this seems no, like, see, see, here's what happens. If you sit down on wet grass is, um, it'll like soak through. It'll make you look like you shit your pants. If you're wearing a white dress, like ask me how I know. So inconsiderate of him. What a scrot. Anyway, continue. This picnic was spent with me stuffing myself with dinner as quickly as possible while he waxed poetic about the way the light reflected off the buildings across the water. Oh, this guy is so full of shit. 
This is so bad. He's like, he's trying to like set the mood like this loser. Okay. I had taken a few ar- architecture classes in college. So I remarked here and there about, I remarked here and there about the styles of the buildings he was pointing out, but this very obviously annoyed him and he ignored my input completely. Cause you're messing up his monologue. He has a whole, like, this is his whole spiel. He practiced this shit. It's supposed to seduce you. He sounds like a narcissist and he's just annoyed that she's not following the script. Yeah. Yes. Yes, narcissist, 100%. 100%. Eventually, I was left longingly staring at the cute guy playing soccer with a few of the children at the park while my date amused himself with the sound of his own voice until I got a word in and headed home. At the time, I was not a big proponent of blocking or ghosting because I thought it was mean. I know better now. I thought he'd get the hint when I told him I was busy the first time or the second time or the third or even the fourth. But eventually, I decided to break it to him kindly and let him know we weren't a good match. He instantly started sending me a bunch of vile messages calling me a gold digger because he paid for an airplane shot of JT. Okay. Oh, (laughs) God. Okay. I was actually a bit relieved at this and let him know exactly what I thought of him as well before blocking him forever. Luckily, I didn't lose anything more than an afternoon, but I certainly learned my lesson. Sorry for the long story. I really didn't know how to cut it down. And thank you, ladies, for everything you do. I know I speak for more than myself. When I say you're literally lifesavers, I was dumb as hell. Don't be me. It's okay. But I feel like this makes me want to tell a bunch of stories about my really bad dates because, oh, man, do I ever have... Yeah, we've all had... We've had things like this, so... This really took place over one afternoon. I felt like it was like multiple dates with the amount of bullshit. <laughs> That's a lot of bollocks to cram in one day. He took it to so many locations. Yeah. <laughs> without paying for shit. And like none of them were good. <laughs> Gosh, sis. Wow. So he speed walked down the boardwalk and then he took her to his place to have a sip of warm, <laughs> warm whiskey. But no, first he takes her to the W Hotel and then doesn't take her to the W Hotel. Tells him her to meet her him there so they can take her somewhere else to his like ratchet ass apartment. That is like peak like scrote audacity. It's like, yeah, meet me at this hotel and then not actually take her to the hotel. Right? That's like that's like the ultimate example of like a guy who's poor but who wants to seem like he's rich. Yeah, and the whole thing that was crazy to me was like what he paid for he didn't even pay for her dinner and he's already talking about gold diggers. Excuse me. It's like he like purposely. So this is one of those guys that's like pathologically cheap. He might not even really be broke, but the fact that he was bragging about his goodwill stuff is like he's trying to test her boundaries to see like if she, is she gonna freak out because it's not expensive. You know, it's like he he's the whole time he's testing your boundaries, testing your boundaries around like trying to make her feel like you know uh, bad for asking for basic courtesy. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> probably gets his mom to shave his head or whatever because he's too broke to go to an actual barber like stuff like that yeah and you just know he has like that weird five o'clock shadow beard that doesn't completely grow in all the way but like his face is all red all the time because all he does is have jack daniels in his house because if he doesn't have water this is a guy who subsists on jack daniels yeah he doesn't have water but he has freaking jack daniels like oh my god that's so predatory though like just having alcohol in your house just off your guests especially female guests so predatory i almost had a date like that with once where i was gonna meet a guy and he just decided to like i guess he was shit testing me because he canceled last minute and then i was like it was literally like half an hour before the date. So I'm already made up and everything. And he's like, Oh, I'm not feeling well. So how about you just come to my place instead and we can drink some whiskey. And I was like, hell no. Even when I was a pick me in my deepest, darkest pick me days, even that was like, no, no for me. 
And if he's not feeling well, why is he drinking alcohol? Right. Yeah. I don't know what this guy. Is. Yeah. No, he was just lazy. If I if I had gone to his place, I'm sure I would have. He would have been wearing like sweatpants. He was probably just too lazy to get out of bed. The smell of bullshit. I can in Canada. I can smell it from here in England. That is complete bollocks. Yeah, it's you know <laughs> the wafting waves of bullshit. <laughs> the waft of bullshit just rocking you back and forth in your chair. Uh, yeah. So this guy, I've decided his name is. I'd say J.D. Scroat. J.D. Scroat. Whiskey. <laughs> Whiskey Dick. Um. <laughs> Whiskey Dick. Yes, let's go with that one. Let's just call him Whiskey Dick because he is a dick. He is an asshole. <laughs> Whiskey Dick. So he's Whiskey Dick. Cool. Yeah, he's an asshole. And he's emanating that small dick energy as well. Cheap ass bottom barrel, like low shelf house whiskey dick. The the fact that he got annoyed whenever she spoke, I've noticed that with some guys where it's like they literally just fucking hate women and they hate when women speak, that but they still have to like they force themselves to go through the motions of what they think they have to do in order to get sex. So yeah, fuck that guy. I hate him. Anyways. Yeah, so fuck this guy with a rusty wire. I hope he drops that bottle of whiskey and cuts his feet on it. I hope he trips down those fucking rickety-ass stairs one day. I hope the next time he tries to speed walk in front of a woman, he trips over a manhole and falls in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Amrita, for this story. That's our first Roast Scrote. Yeah! And if you would like to submit your own Roast Scrote, please visit our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy and sign up for uh, one of our tiers that offers a raffle ticket to enter your own, your very own Roast Scrote, Nasus or Queen Shit story, which we'll read aloud and will commiserate with you or absolutely flame barrel the guy like we did in this last segment. <laughs> Yay. Yay. All right. That's all I want to do. Um, okay. So let's transition to our main topic for today. There's just so much in our culture that's happened in the past you know, 10, 20, 30 years or so that I think is contributing to a lot of our dating problems. So we're going to dissect that today. And I think we're pointing, we're pointing the finger to porn, red pill, video games, boomer relationship dynamics, the superwomen, you know, the, the archetypal archetypal superwoman. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk on the subreddit about have men always been low value? Have men always been trash? Or are they just recently trash? In fact, you see the same conversation about this sort of crisis of masculinity that we're seeing. You see that same conversation happening in the manosphere. And they tend to blame feminism because a lot of these negative qualities that men are showing nowadays started to pop up around the time that feminism started to happen. So obviously, you know, feminism is an easy scapegoat and we should all put women back in the kitchen and problem solved, right? Wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It's not just because of feminism. They tend to blame feminism for things that are caused by global economic factors, things like um, jobs, right? Like they'll say, oh, it's because feminists flooded the workforce. And that's why men aren't getting paid that much nowadays, which is not true. It's mostly because of automation and because of jobs being shipped overseas. That's mostly the reason why wages have stagnated. Well, they, they, I don't know. In the United States, our 40 hour work week standard was based on the man working outside the home and the woman staying home. So now with two times the workforce than it used to be when the labor laws are put into place, arguably what happened was a lot of men who otherwise would have had a woman at home doing like all the domestic labor, most women work now. And so they're less willing to do those things. So they look at it as if like, oh, feminism is ruining women now because they're not as domestic as women of years past 
past, but the understanding was that women of years past would spend most of their time in the home with a single male earner, which is not the case anymore. I reject this, I guess if you call it a a thesis, that feminism is the cause of all of the, the world's woes, because women in this system of one man earning an income, it didn't work out for a lot of women. A lot of women ended up financially dependent and, you know, were abused or couldn't escape their abuser. And if you were lucky enough to marry a good man, then, you know, that could work out for you. But if you were unlucky, then you had no recourse. Yeah, or or they just had interests other than washing their husband's draws for 40 years. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the other subtext of this is that for a lot of women, although they might love their children, they have other talents and skills that they want to utilize in the world. And I think that's a very human thing that a lot of women were robbed of because of the idea that you were always supposed to focus on being a domestic servant to your husband first. It's ludicrous. And I feel like they should have been focusing on the ills of capitalism, rather than saying the solution is that uh, women go back to being domestic servants when so many of us clearly don't want to do that. Or we're we're not able to do that because it's predicated on one man providing enough money to support an entire family, which is just increasingly only available to the uber rich. So people who are making over $300,000 a year. Yeah. The solution is not to send women back to the kitchen, boys. <laughs> we ain't going. Sorry, the red pill. We're not going back in the kitchen. Like, that ship has sailed. You're going to have to drag somebody back there. <laughs> yeah. So um, my interpretation of this, like, oh, feminism ruined relationships or feminism ruined dating or whatever, it's not that uh, feminism ruined it. It's just that men have refused to adapt to the reality of feminism. Men love to blame feminism for ruining society when, in fact, it's just because men don't want to do chores. That's it. Literally all of Western society collapsing because men don't want to do the fucking dishes. One of the biggest causes for why men are low value nowadays is because of what I call boomer relationship dynamics, where you have a man and a woman, they both work. The boomer generation was the first generation where women were out in the workforce, like maximizing their potential in full force. And then you got the whole like, oh, ladies, you can have it all working full time and cooking and cleaning. Yeah, superwoman, basically. The career mom, Wonder Woman, you know, immune to sleep deprivation, only sleeps three hours a night, working 18 hour days every single day. And fuck that. Like, I feel like so many kids growing up watching that dynamic, like men of our generation, millennial generation, watch that and they go, oh, like, as a man, all I have to do is work and that's it. And I don't have to contribute to the house. And then as a woman, you know, growing up in that dynamic, you look at that and you think, oh, like, I have to do everything. I have to manage my time, like, perfectly. I have to cook and clean and work and do everything. And so that's how you end up with the low-value man pick Misha dynamic. And I was even seeing on Twitter, because that's not just within the parents. Sometimes that's within the sibling dynamic as well. So a lot of times the eldest daughter takes on that role in the family towards the other siblings. Parentified, yeah. Right. Very, very parentified. It's not entirely clear to me how that became the preferred method for women to operate in order to prove they were feminist or progressive or capable. It almost seems like men just negged them to death about how they weren't able to do anything and that women were worthless and useless. And so their response was to become super women to prove that they could do it all. But like they're proving it to like guys who were low value scrotes to begin with. So then they almost just got manipulated or tricked into taking on way more of the burden than they needed to in order to gain what they thought was going or in order to do 
something they thought would gain them respect. That's exactly it. Like women would do this because they thought that it would earn the respect in men's eyes. And if anything, it's, it's been the opposite. I like men actually seem to respect women even less when we can do it all. It's almost like the role of the woman has evolved or as the role of the man has regressed. Because even in some circles, even if you say you want a guy with a decent job, you're now a gold digger. That's how much we've regressed in this relationship dynamic, that even wanting a guy with a job now is enough to get you. I think, was it Gwen Guthrie wrote that song? Um, Ain't Nothing Going On But The Rent, one of my favourite songs. And when it came out in the, I think, in the late 80s, she was lambasted and called materialistic because she wanted to date a guy who had a job. Yeah, we get called classist on FDS all the time because we want to date a guy who's not unemployed because that makes us elitists, apparently. I just question exactly what they expect women to do in that situation. It, it just seems like, again, they want us to do the free emotional labor of building these guys up. And the question is why? It's not generally something that's reciprocal. They don't ne- They don't have the tool set, and I don't think most of them were socialized to have the tool set and they don't even know where to begin. So it's really unfair to expect women to keep extending ourselves in this area when it's become clear that we did not create a culture in which men could meet uh, value with value in kind. Even when women do extend themselves, you end up with situations where the woman's like, quote unquote, nagging, aka she asked him to do something and he just doesn't. And so she has the option of either just, I guess, shutting up and never asking him for anything or just like asking him again. And it's, I feel like when men listen to women, it's like they don't even hear the words coming out of our mouths. It's just like the Charlie Brown voice, like, <laughs> like that's how men think women talk. They just think, oh, I don't have to listen to this. Yeah, that's, that's passive aggressive avoidance of the issue. That, oh God, that, are, that just makes my, the hairs in the back of my neck stand up because I'm so angry because I've had that in a relationship. Yeah. And so it's really just like men's failure to step up. And if anything, like they see the fact that women have started to work and they think that they can put in even less effort. Like guys nowadays, they want a woman who will do 50-50 on the bills and do all the cooking and cleaning for them. They want they want that gravy train that they saw their dad grow up with, right? Even more so because because now, I mean, with the influence of porn, you know, with our parents' generation, porn was probably, you know, rather tame in comparison to what it is now, at least in the mainstream variety. And now, the and even back then, there wasn't an expectation that your wife would have to perform like a porn star. But now, you know, that's an expectation that a lot of men have going into relationships that, you know, female sexuality works how porn works and that the kind of dirty, degrading, abusive stuff that uh, men would typically, you know, go into a, a, a theater in the bad side of town and hide and watch <laughs> and know that it wasn't appropriate to treat women that way. Now it's just sort of an expectation that women tolerate that, even if you're just like, this is completely unenjoyable for me in every single way. Oh man, there's so much I could say about porn and how it's ruined relationships. I think that's probably the single most destructive thing that's happened to relationships in the past 20 years. And it's just, yeah, you're right. And it's also the rise of things like kink shaming, where if you question you know, someone's fetish or or what they're into, you know, you're the one with the problem. It's, you know, nothing to do with them. It's entirely your problem. Stuff like that. Yeah. And like, you know, what's wild. Whenever I talk to men about porn, either online or even in real life, um, if, if I say something along the lines of like, 
I feel like porn makes men see women as objects and makes men want to treat women in a degrading way. And, you know, it makes me feel bad when my boyfriend watches porn or whatever. There's always guys who are like, well, I don't think it affects me. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, there's count- there's countless women out there just screaming from the rooftops talking about how porn has ruined relationships. And then men are out there just being like, well, I don't think it's a problem. <laughs> la, 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 everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. Like, just because you personally are not being harmed by this problem uh, doesn't mean it's not a problem. And they fail to experience intimacy as well. But when you've grown up, I mean, you know, exposure to porn now is getting younger and younger. People are now being exposed to porn from the ages of eight, 10, 12, you know, really, really young. You don't, you don't realize just how warped it makes your view of sex. So things like intimacy and, um, you know, emotional connection, all those things are just completely lost on, on these men if they grow up watching porn completely lost on them because they literally don't see women as humans and they'll argue with this be like i totally see women as humans it almost doesn't matter if a man disagrees the fact that women are out there saying that this is how they make them feel that makes it that makes it real right i mean and some of it is just it's the creepy coomer energy that's sometimes hard to describe right you can feel when a man is so deep in his porn consumerism that he the way that he reacts to you feels creepy it feels like he's looking at you like a sexual object like a piece of meat that every interaction with you has some kind of hidden sexual agenda and we call these guys creeps and they don't really understand like women are just calling guys creeps because they're just ugly and i'm like no it's because you have creepy ass coomer energy and i don't really know how to explain to them that even if we don't know you're watching porn we know through your behavior we can feel observe and like uh we can feel and observe your behavior in a tangible way that's very difficult for men to grasp yeah you know how people used to say that if you masturbated too much you'd grow hairy palms you remember that (laughs) yeah so obviously that's a myth right you don't literally grow hairy palms when you masturbate but i feel like that's one of those things that they would tell men so that they would know that like oh if you masturbate too much or watch a bunch of porn, like it's it's going to come through in your energy and like people will know, right? And people will judge you. Yeah, exactly. So I just want all the men out there who watch porn every day, I just want you to know that every single woman around you knows and it's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> they have like, they look at you weird, the way they like can't always look you fully in the eye and like they're, it's just so weirdly sexual for no reason. <laughs> like all the time and the way they're so like quick to bring up sex as well it's like yeah it's just so weird yeah i haven't liked that with dating apps especially because they'll they'll literally write why you fit their physical qualifications and it will just sound like their search results in pornhub right a lot of times the way that they come on to women is very much how they would objectify a woman in porn you fit my porn category. You fit my porn preferences. And that's why I like you. That's not a compliment, okay? And especially women of color as well on dating. I mean, this could be a whole other episode. Like, we get that a lot, a lot. Like, you know, one of the first things guys will say to me is, oh, I've never been with a black chick before. I'm just like, okay. Um, I don't really know what to say to that because it's like you're instantly fetishized straight away you know what's wild is like porn people like people who are pro porn will say like people of the porn (laughs) i'm just gonna call them porn people like men and women who love porn they will say things like 
They'll, they try to argue that porn is progressive because it doesn't uh, discriminate like racially. Like there are black women in porn, there are Asian <laughs> women in porn, there are Latinas in porn. And I'm like, have you seen these fucking titles? Spicy Latino, submissive Asian woman. That's not fucking progressive. I, I just feel like there's this massive disconnect from what porn is to what the mainstream media says it is. But a lot of times when they're talking about porn, they have this sort of tongue-in-cheek, cutesy attitude about it. It's almost like they have they stopped watching porn in, in the 1970s, right? I'm like, have you seen what porn is today? There's nothing cute about this. There's nothing funny about this. Porn today is very, very explicitly abusive and incestuous and pedophilic in a lot of ways. And obviously racist. So when they're talking about porn as a genre, they seem to kind of, it seems like they're focusing on the very, very vanilla stuff of years past and have no idea all of the like trash that's out out there today that is popular. This isn't, this isn't like this stuff is relegated to the corners of the internet and that it's like a special niche thing. It's, it's literally, if you go to Pornhub or X videos and you look by the most popular videos, chances are they are really, really problematic for the reasons I mentioned before. Men will straight up lie to your face and be like, most men don't watch abusive porn. Oh my gosh. It's such a ridiculous statement because either you don't think it's abusive to like slap women or like choke women or come on their face or whatever. Either you look at that and think that's totally fine and not abusive at all, or you're just lying. Like, you know that those things are abusive and you're just straight up lying because what you see in most porn, stuff that's like industry standard in most porn is degrading. They have to trick these women into doing this. And that's been, uh, Uh, There's been several porn stars who've come out and said that in addition to stuff like Girls Do Porn that got sued by women who were coerced or tricked into doing things um, under the guise that they were only going to do one thing and then they get on the set and they do something else. So they, they don't even get consent you know, beforehand for a lot of these things. And then they force these women to, they force these women to consent later by saying, oh, if you don't consent, you don't get paid. You have to sign off on this release form. But then they don't know. I I think one woman was talking about how in a porn video, she got picked up and her head got put in a toilet. She didn't know they were going to do that. They do stuff like that to these women who are young, don't understand their boundaries. And uh, then say, if you don't agree to this, we're not going to pay you. Right. And they already have control over the image. So there's just, there's just anything goes. And even a lot of the seasoned porn stars, I think even Lisa Ann, she's a pretty famous porn star in like the MILF genre. genre. She said that a lot of uh, porn stars of her generation want to get out specifically because of how violent porn has gotten, like just in the course of the last 10 to 15 years. So even like the vets, the ones that started earlier who are still working, they're just saying it's just untenable to be subjected subjected to that kind of violence all the time. So they keep trying to find younger and younger girls to do these things and then spring it on them and then force them to sign these release forms. And the actresses didn't even know they were going to do that. Like they do that when they do those racist scenes as well. There's been several black actresses and Asian actresses, actresses who have come out and said, I thought I was doing a regular shoot and I show up and there's a guy with like a Confederate flag in the background. Right. And I didn't know (laughs) it's stuff like that where they, they don't tell these girls that's what's going on so that they can force them into doing these things. I think it's very, very alarming that when you talk to guys about this is they don't even seem to recognize that these violent sex acts, they don't even see them as violent. They don't even see it as abusive. They just think that that's normal. They don't see anything wrong with randomly choking out your Tinder date. 
And, you know, people love to say, if it's, especially I've heard, you know, men say in, in my DMs when I've written about the woes of porn, they say, well, if it's two, you know, if it's between two consenting adults, what's the problem? And, you know, first of all, consent, we've spoken about consent before on the podcast, but I think, in that scenario, when a guy is horny and he's looking for a video to be off to, is he really fucked about consent? Has he really, you know, Googled the actress to see if she's actually consented? No, he hasn't. He just, you know, selects a video, watches it, closes it. He doesn't give a shit if the actress in the video has consented or not, so long as he gets, you know, what he's looking for, which is an orgasm. So that is how they use consent in a very, very dishonest way to make out like they're very pro consent when actually they don't care about it at all because they don't be, because they don't check if the and especially a lot of amateur porn which is what a lot of men enjoy there is a real real risk of revenge porn in amateur porn or, or women being filmed without their knowledge and it being uploaded as amateur porn there's a lot of that on the internet but they don't care about that there's no such thing as fair trade porn right yeah, not like, it's not like fair, fair and, trade chocolate and, or anything and it's just like when women or people try to say oh there's feminist porn it's just like if you have to put the word feminist in front of porn then it's inherently not fem- it's inherently anti-feminist then surely true that's a great point because if it was empowering and feminist you wouldn't need to tack on well this is feminist porn which is a which is really niche. It would just be, it would just be porn, right? If it was feminist. Right, exactly. With the so-called feminist porn that is meant to be for women, we never see a really hot guy or two really hot men just pleasuring the woman. That still never happens. Preach. That still never happens. Let's talk about Polycule Fight Club, okay? I've been dying to talk about this on the podcast. Okay, go for it. Okay, okay. So those of you listening who, you know, I challenge you to make what I consider like truly feminist porn, okay? So for for those of you who don't know, um we have this one moderator called Jammies. She's like uh practically like a Reddit celebrity. <laughs> she had this one post saying, um, you know, oh, all you polyamorous people talking about uh, you know, multiple girlfriends and one guy, the one penis policy or whatever. Here's what I want to see in in polyamory. I want to have like a group of guys who are all super fit and buff and then every night two of them fight to the death <laughs> not, maybe not fight to the death but they, they fight to the death that's that's extreme but they fight to fight with each other then she has sex with the winner oh my gosh <laughs> that's what i consider empowering that's my that's my kink okay don't kink shame me that's feminist porn i mean brad pitt in fight club i don't blame her yeah because i feel like that was partially my sexual awakening this is something that I've been wanting to talk about. Like, it is hot when two guys are fighting. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Whoever wins, I'm like, nice. And, th- and the thing is, it's not even weird to say that. It's actually completely natural because in nature, males fight with each other all the time to impress females, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, bighorn sheep, deer, like, a lot of species will fight with each other to impress the females. That's what females are looking for in nature. And so... If I were to say, you know, oh, my kink is seeing two guys fight with each other, then I fuck the winner. People probably look at me like I'm a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fem- that's how females experience sexuality, or a lot of females be- experience sexuality. I love NBA fights. Is that basketball fights with, like, the super tall men? Oh, yeah, yeah. National Basketball Association. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Tall men, yes, please. Yeah, I love I love hockey fights, okay? Like, so... <laughs> <laughs> the best- <laughs> The 
best part of every fucking hockey game is when two guys just like, I guess they got beef and they throw the gloves off, they throw the helmets off and they just start throwing punches and stuff. Like the NHL has cracked down on that recently. And I really don't like that. I actually think they should be going for more fights. <laughs> um, but I think that is fucking sexy when two guys are fighting and then wh- whoever wins, I'm like, okay, he's a genetically superior male. And I find that sexually attractive, but that's a totally unacceptable thing to to say, meanwhile, there are tons of guys out there who talk about, like, oh, I want to see two girls, like, oil wrestling or, like, mud fighting or whatever. This is a thing. True. Yeah, like, it's totally normal to want to see two girls fighting. Apparently, that's a that's a... Cat fight. A kink that some men have. The cat fight, yeah. You know what? I... <laughs> I want I want this. I want Polycule Fight Club to be a thing. <laughs> we should bring back the old Olympic, the old ancient Greek Olympic style where they would be butt naked and all greased up, and then they would do the games that way oh yeah turkish oil wrestling yeah that's uh (laughs) that's a real sport i'm down to see it no okay i have a rant about soccer okay all the soccer fans out there are gonna hate me but i think soccer is a sport for fucking pussies (laughs) and 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 for the europeans by the way soccer is football soccer (laughs) (laughs) i guess it was my turn to get dunked on yeah no what I literally, okay, I cannot sit through a soccer game and how these grown-ass men will, like, slightly bump into the other and the other one, like, takes a dive. And just, like, the the fact that they will actually try to get, like, I I don't know, like, they'll try to get the other guy to get a penalty or something like that. I just think that's so pathetic and stupid. Ronaldo is good at that. (laughs) Like, I cannot think of anything more unmasculine or unsexy than a guy that takes a dive after getting flicked in the ear or something. They call it flopping in uh, in the NBA. But yeah, that's been kind of... Whenever they uh, start to raise the, or make it an advantage if you foul someone or a foul is just like, you know, hitting someone outside of the gameplay, then people just literally will like do the exact same thing as take a dive, just like flop like a, like an Oscar winning actor on their bellies and on their back. And yeah, it is... It, it is really... It's always like frowned upon. It's really unattractive and it just looks like they're cheating. Yeah, it does happen in hockey a little bit. Um, but I would say that, if anything, the players, some of them, like, they don't give a fuck. Like, they will just fight a guy and know that they're going to get a penalty for it. They just take it on the chin. Like, they just, <laughs> they don't even care. Uh, but yeah, so, some players will, like, take a dive. But I think it's very unattractive to to take a dive like that. But that's just my personal opinion. Everyone's going to hate me now. Anyone who likes soccer is going to hate me now, but I don't care. Soccer. <laughs> <laughs> But circling back to um, the the topic, I I'm gonna caveat what um, you said earlier about that feminism is not the problem. I think a strand of of uh, feminism is a massive part of the problem as to why relationship dynamics between men and women nowadays are in the toilet. And that strand of feminism is liberal feminism. The problem with liberal feminism is that, yes, they've made strides for equality um, in the law for men and women, but what they have either neglected or overlooked or whatever is the biological differences between men and women. You know, yes, you can go 50-50 on a date in, in theory but you can't go 50 50 on say the maintenance it requires for a woman to look presentable you can't go 50 50 on childbirth you can't go 50 50 on instances of sexual assault you know when you know if a man you also can't go 50 50 with someone who just doesn't give a shit (laughs) 
Yeah, exactly. Like, if the other guy doesn't want to even meet you at 50-50, you can't... You can't... There's no legislation that will make him do that. So, and there are biological differences between men and women that will never be reconciled. Hence the reason why things like, for example, casual sex is a bigger problem for women than it is for men. Hence the reason why... Um, you know, women, you know, some women's careers, they never recover after giving birth. Like men are not affected in the same way. If anything, men are actually seen as more reliable after they become a husband and a father. And a woman is seen as less reliable. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I was going to say, it's interesting, too, because the other thing about liberal feminism is they forget that there's a lot of women who work in pink collar jobs Especially, and that's why a lot of, I think, working class people end up being conservatives because they feel completely ignored by this idea of quote unquote uh, equality. If you're a woman and you're a teacher or a nurse or a job that's traditionally got mostly women in it, do you feel oppressed at your job because you're a woman? Probably not. Maybe your boss is probably a woman. Most of your coworkers are women. You know, they don't necessarily identify with equality and, and their husbands might work backbreaking blue collar work. They might work in carpentry or, you know, construction, something that premium that has a premium on men's physical strength. So trying to tell them, so getting them to care whether or not, I don't know, Hillary, Hillary Clinton per se gets to be president or any woman who works in a white collar job on a coastal city is uh, getting the corner office and that's quote unquote equality. It doesn't necessarily translate to women who don't work in those kinds of environments. And they're like, we need more tangible things I can see in my workplace and not just female faces in these, you know, gender neutral jobs per se. Yeah. Um, but, but before we go ahead, cause Savannah, you had more to say about liberal feminism. Um, I just want to like quickly define terms. Cause a lot of people don't understand what we mean when we talk about liberal feminism versus say radical feminism. Um, just a brief sort of history of feminism, basically uh, in the sixties, seventies and eighties, there's a sort of schism in the feminist movement between radical feminists and liberal feminists. Uh, radical feminists believe in a uh, massive restructuring of the world and that you have to sort of like the whole system basically is like fucked up and you got to like change the whole system. Uh, there's a lot more to it than that, but it's very like very um, brief, but the, the, a liberal feminist generally believe in trying to work within the current system, like working with capitalism, whereas radical feminists are usually more on like the Marxist kind of side. To be fair, liberal feminists in the uh, 60s, 70s, 80s did achieve a lot. Like they, they were largely behind passing laws. To give credit where it's due, liberal feminism hasn't always been this, like, weird, like, sex posy, toxic nonsense that we see nowadays. It did, it did, um, it did do good in its early days, but nowadays, like, liberal feminism is liberal in the same way that neoliberalism is liberal, or that libertarians are liberal, because they take the concept of individual choice and freedom and that, and they just take it way too far. It's like they, they only see, they see progress as women being treated closer to men rather than women prioritizing things that are in our best interest in balance with men. Right. And I think that's a very different, different concept. Right. Uh, And I think, where they differ from radical feminism is radical feminism understands women as a sex class, meaning we are a class and a group of people that have specific needs that we should prioritize. But that was 
you know, deemed too radical and you're trying to restructure society and they would call them feminazis, basically saying that women like that who think that women as a, that as a class should be accommodated in accordance to our needs as part of the human experience, given the fact that we are the majority of the population and we're responsible for creating all of the population should have that be front and center whenever we make decisions. But Um, Obviously, that's not necessarily compatible with capitalism, right? Because capitalism is always going to prioritize exploitable labor. So liberal feminism became more preferred in capitalist systems. And also just a quick word on on branding, sorry, but people think radical equals bad extremist. Oh, you want to blow shit up. People think radical automatically means bad. Radical feminism is only referring to a restructuring of society. That's what we are referring to when we use that. Um, Liberal feminism you know, people think, oh, but liberalism is good. And yeah, like a lot of underlying principles of liberalism are good, like the ideas of uh, anti-coercion and freedom and equality and all that stuff. Those are all good ideas. What we're seeing nowadays is it's taking it too far and it's failing to address some of the structural issues that are associated with patriarchy. Here's the thing, though, and here's something something that liberal feminists fail to understand, is that feminism, by definition, is exclusionary. If everything is feminist, then nothing is feminist. It It can't be this whole, if I choose to do it as a woman, then it's feminist. No, that's horseshit. That's not... You know, as a woman, you know, we can do things that are not in our best interests, either individually and as a class as well. You hear this, like, male gaslighting about feminism. They'll be like, oh, FDS aren't real feminists because they don't believe in equality. They believe in female supremacy. And, like, feminism is about equality. And therefore, you're not a real feminist. And it's like, no, guess what? Feminism is for females. Okay. <laughs> it's uh it's not for men either. I think they actually did an experiment. This was um in the UK and it was to do with racism and um essentially they had um like children of like colour pretend to be the op- oppressors in quotation marks for a day. Um and it turned out that the children of colour didn't treat the 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 white children anywhere near as badly as um, the white oppressors in quotation marks had treated them. So even if, say, you know, there was a matriarchy, I still don't think women would treat like men anywhere near as badly as they've treated us. Oh, 100%. Yeah. A while back, there was a guy who developed a computer program to quote unquote prove that FDS are female supremacists. Men tend to assume the worst. Like they think that if women were in charge, that we're going to start treating men the way that they've been treating us or the the way that men wish that they could treat us because I get DMs on Reddit all the time from guys talking about how they want to put women in concentration camps and use women for like breeding farms and like forcibly impregnate us and stuff like that's what guys fucking fantasize about when men fantasize about male supremacy. The one thing I've noticed with a lot of these weird male misogynist extremists is they are counting down the days till they have sex bots and artificial wombs and then they'll have no use for women for women then and i'm like you know how much easier it would be to replicate sperm than it is to create an entire functioning womb system and then raise a child from infancy to 18 years old we will have the technology to replace you before we will have the technology to replace women 
Easily. Um, and most men wouldn't be able to afford the technology anyway if it did exist. They'd, they'd be priced out of it. It kills me, though, that they assume that women won't do that before men develop the technology to get rid of us. And so they're count they're banking on the fact that we don't treat them like they would treat us. The, the other thing is that I find it funny that they think that we are afraid of that, that like they'll say it with a smug sneer, like, oh, we're going to replace you with like sex robots, like, <laughs> like. I'm, I'm, I don't have a problem with that. Like, I would love a world in which we could put like all of the shitty low value men in a room with their fucking VR headsets and pocket pussies where they can go off and like masturbate all day and not shoot up malls and stuff like that. Like, I actually think that would be a better solution to male violence. Put them in their own room with their, uh, feeding tube like a little hamster (laughs) but anyways back to the original topic which is why are men trash uh we talked about sorry savannah i don't think you finished your point i'm sorry i kept interrupting you apologize but did you have anything more to say about on liberal feminism it's essentially lowered the barrier for men in terms of access to women um especially if you know women are now earning their own money if we're now more independent it's almost like women are bringing you know more to the table as you know like as I've like briefly touched on before, of the expectations of like men have regressed. And so then we're at this stage where women are automatically bringing more or have more to offer in a relationship than your average man. They always, they always lament that women today don't cook as much. And I'm like, first of all, most of us just don't have as much time. But when's the last time you saw a guy build a shelf from scratch or do any of the traditional like qualities and hand craftsmanship that men used to be able to do that they no longer have time for either because we all have to slave away for capitalism. But I just think that it's funny that they highlight all the ways in which women have had to abandon more traditional quote unquote women's activities in order to progress in a capitalist system versus they don't recognize the way that men have done that as well. Right, they, they they're good at playing video games now, and oh, we can, oh we can go on that. I have so much. To, yeah, <laughs> we're gonna go in. We're gonna go fucking in on video games. But before we do that, I want to point out men don't have useful hobbies anymore. That's my other kink: is men who have useful hobbies. <laughs> I, I, no, hell no! Like I'm not talking about. I'm talking about things like, you know, woodworking or knowing how to fix a car or I don't know, just literally fucking anything other than video games. But most guys, video games, it's their only hobby is porn and video games. And what I have a problem with that is it's about consuming. It's very like passive. Things like woodworking or mechanics or whatever, these are, I consider these creative outlets. It's about creating something and building something, putting energy back into the world rather than taking energy out of the world. And so the sorts of hobbies that average men have nowadays, it's all about like, you know, extracting things from the world and not about giving back to the world at all. I mean, if they were programming video games, I feel like there would be more room for a discussion. But most of these guys, I mean, like you said, they're just coomers and consumers. And I was reading about how, you know, video games give men a sense of accomplishment and a dopamine hit. And so a lot of times it's it's a pretty... It's like, it's a way for men who are not good at other things to feel like they win at something. And there's a very select few that are good enough at it to monetize it and become, you know, like PewDiePie or something like that. So then it sort of justifies itself because they think, well, there's some guys out here who are very successful at video games. So you can't say it's bad because some guys can make an income off of it. But for most of them, they're not going to be able to do that. And then secondly, they are using it for the dopamine hit um, of a fake accomplishment rather than a real world tangible thing that they've added value to society. And I think that is kind of, I, th- I just think that's a very dangerous loop for men to be in. It's become like the new SoundCloud rapper to me. When I see guys that are gamers, I'm like, oh, okay, so you don't have a job. 
right? <laughs> and you don't provide anything useful. <laughs> like, yes, there will be some SoundCloud rappers that become successful, but the vast majority of them are just chasing a pipe dream. And I feel the same way about gamers. It's just like, it's a hobby, but you need to kind of, you know, unless you start picking up steam, especially by like your mid twenties, maybe there's guys that make it into their thirties, you know, and start becoming successful at this. But it's like, this is a young man's game. If you're not, if you're not, you can't, only focus on this and not build any other tangible skills that are going to make you marketable. Because by the time you hit 30 and you haven't made it, you're going to be out here, you know, being a mall shooter because you've wasted your time. Like the idea of being at successful at video games is such a ridiculous concept. It's like successful at watching cartoons or something. It's like, uh, unless you're one, yeah, one of those like esport guys that's making a lot of money. They literally make millions though, the top ones. Yeah, so those the, the very, very tiny percentage of men that are making a lot of money. Or, you know, I'll give credit where credit is due. I do think that to create a video game or other forms of, like, digi- digital art, I consider that a creative outlet. And I think... Yeah, that's, that's, like, top-level stuff, to be fair. They take years to develop. Exactly, yeah. So I think, like, mad respect to people who create video games. But for people out there who are largely unskilled and just play video games and don't really have much else going on them in, gone for them in life... Um, yeah, and I also want to draw a line here because a lot of uh, our audience are women who also game, right? And so when we criticize video games, a lot of our own audience think that we're attacking them. And I just want to say, like, female gamers and male gamers are not the same at all. The women I know who game are usually well-rounded people with, like, other hobbies. They bathe, first of all. They know they're supposed to bathe every day. It's not their whole life. Yeah, it's not their whole life. Like, the guys, that gamer guys, like, they even describe themselves as a gamer. Like, that's their whole life. That's every, you know, their life is game. I get messages, again, on Reddit all the time being like, yo, what's your problem with video games? What's your problem with porn? It's just really unmasculine. Like, these guys seem like such betas. Coomers and consumers. Yeah, like, they're just so unmanly. Like, they have the audacity. Like, all these fucking red pillars. Like, they're so beta. They're so passive. I, I'm calling I'm calling it. I'm, I'm calling it coomerism and consumerism is killing, is what's killing men. It's like, they're not creating anything of value. They're not, con- they can't even be present because they're so used to consuming everything in life, right? And having everything be readily available. And they have that weird, creepy coomer stare because all they do is look at big anime titties and like gaming titties and then you know they don't know how to interact with women or or the way you know if they're always on the uh the live interaction games and they have their own language and it's a lot of times very racist or or uh it doesn't they're they're uh the skills and social skills they develop in within a video game culture doesn't necessarily translate outside into the real world so again if they don't make it as gamers if all your humor is gamer based and then you try to go work a job and talk to regular people they're gonna be like bro what are you talking about (laughs) yeah like it's a massive like i I don't know my my point being that like i think men who game are usually obsessive and have nothing else going on for them in life women who game are usually just more well-rounded and seem to have other hobbies and they don't let it take over their life. And so for any ladies listening in who, you know, think we're judging them because you play video games, we're not. And for those of you who think it's a double standard, yes, it is a double standard because it's based on facts. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and women too, like women get dragged for not being like real gamers because they don't, they're not willing to sacrifice literally everything about their life to be successful at a video game. So that's why a lot of times women get perceived as fake gamers and that's just because they don't they're not willing to just sit in their own filth for days eating cheetos 
to be good at something. <laughs> yeah, you're not as hardcore as me. <laughs> and I nearly got like like job fished by a gamer one time on online dating because he was like, oh, by the way, I'm self-employed. And I was thinking, oh, cool. So like, what do you do? And he was like... I stream on Twitch. Very, I mean, I know some people can make a lot of money playing games on Twitch, but this guy was working in Lidl, which is like the US equivalent of like the dollar store. So I was like, unmatch. Well, it's a hobbyist versus a professional sports, right? Like there's guys, I mean, there's nothing wrong with playing basketball if you love basketball all day, but like you got to also build other skills because you got to put, you got to feed yourself, right? If you know you're not going to make it, you know, you're not going to make it to the NBA by the time you're like 15 now, 15, 16. And there's some, there's some exceptions to that. Um, like I think Steph Curry didn't even think he was going to get drafted, but obviously he's one of the best players in the NBA. But like now they're scouting the NBA and a lot of these um, sports, professional sports leagues, they scout kids from the time they're in seventh and eighth grade. So it's just it's just a matter of these guys not understanding when it it's you know it's time to hang it up as a hobby or at least scale back as a hobby and build tangible skills if you just don't got the juice to do this professionally. Gamer culture is very misogynistic. Uh, I read actually or actually I listened to this podcast and I guess I don't know if I should plug it but it's called Behind the Bastards and uh the host and I guess we'll link it maybe we can get a sponsorship from them but the host uh made a direct connection from gamer culture to what then became red pill culture, which I think is the next topic we wanted to go on because gamers, uh, a lot of these gamers, they were using like the old pickup seduction tips and then found out it wasn't working. And the, and the earliest forms of online forums were for gamers. So that's where a lot of these misogynist ideas started to cultivate. And then the red pill was able to, harness the power of these types of guys and uh, give them a quote unquote system, not on like a game to get women. So they had, they were already groomed for the mindset that there was some kind of like, you know, secret combination or code they could use to have cheat codes to unlock pussy. Yeah. Cheat codes for women, seriously. And they were, they were disillusioned with the old, like, you know, nice quote unquote seduction. And so then when they started developing these ide- these red pill ideologies, it was based on the idea that you could, you know, they, they have these catchphrases like enjoy the decline and it's, it's amoral. And it was all about gaming women, gaming women, uh, hacking women so that they could uh, be successful. Yeah, even the word like game is used in video games, but also like, oh, you know, I've, he's got good game, you know, to refer to a guy who Get, who reels in a lot of women they literally see relationships as as a game um and you know <laughs> there was that article that said like female dating strategy turns dating into a game we're not the ones that turned it into a game like <laughs> yeah like we weren't the ones that turned it into a game like we were presented with a whole generation of men who already see it as a game and now we have to come up with counter strategies to respond to that um but yeah the next thing that we wanted to talk about was how red pill culture has infiltrated like so much of modern dating culture to the point where I just don't like, I I just don't even see any possibility for a lot of these young men. They've just been totally indoctrinated to be, to literally like be abusers. Like that is their objective is to be in an abusive relationship where they are the abuser. So this is what they say. And I, you know, I don't recommend spending any time in the manosphere, but since we do this now as like our primary focus in life, uh, I've spent enough time in the manosphere to kind of learn the lingo, kind of trying to see where they came, 
where they're coming to their conclusions from. So it seems to me in the sex positive culture era, um, there's in their eyes, there's winners and losers. And what happened was that women only wanted to have casual sex with the most attractive men. And these men who discovered the red pill were not those guys that basically they had this idea that guy, I don't know if they use chads, but that their substitute for chad is alphas, that there's these alphas and betas and that alphas get all the sex and then betas only get a uh, lowly worthless commitment from women, <laughs> which they see as worthless, right? They see that the endless meaningless sex that the, you know, I don't know, I assume someone like a professional athlete would get, you know, someone who's very rich, very handsome, very wealthy, very fit. Um, so they want to be those guys. And so what they taught them was a series of psychological tactics and a way to subvert what common culture was at the time, or and kind of still is, uh, subvert what had become our, our, our sex posi culture brought to you by liberal feminism to work for their benefit and against ours as women. And so they had this idea that um, they could, uh, it's, I mean, it's negging, right? It's the old seduction negging stuff, but it was also um, whatever the cultural expectation was, they would subvert it into their favor. So for example, uh, I know liberal feminism was really trying to push the, oh, you should pay 50-50 on dates and you should, uh, you should uh, uh, make sure that you uh, ask a guy out first, et cetera, et cetera. And so what they would do is they would use the fact that they didn't have to pay for dates to say, okay, well then you could just spin plates. You can just go in and exploit these women who think that, you know, them paying 50-50 is on their way to a relationship or that they're engaging them in good faith thinking, okay, we're getting to know each other. We want to be in a relationship or with the, you know, with the hopes maybe one day doesn't mean have to be perfect. And, you know, we may decide not to do it, but they started pushing for sex earlier, uh, declining to pay for dates so that they could, they could game all these women by having all these women that they're dating and having sex with, with the expectation that it would likely lead to a relationship if they started with casual sex and then it never did right? Knowing that they had no intention of doing that. And so that's the way they were able to exploit sex positive culture. And what I think was liberal feminists, goodwill extension to men to selfishly just feed their own ego and disrespect women while doing it on purpose. I'm so glad you made that connection. Because I've never I've actually never heard it put that way before that red pillars are literally exploiting this sort of idea of what it means to be a good woman under liberal feminism. Like women have been conditioned for a while now to think that if you want to, you know, you got, you got to have it all. You got to be 50, 50, you got to do this, you got to do that. And then that idea has not uh, been an olive branch to men, like what liberal feminists originally thought it would be. It's instead been turned around on us and is now being used to exploit us all over again. Exactly. And that's where FDS comes in. Because we cut the crap. <laughs> because we go, no, I reject all of this. We can either have a relationship that benefits women or no relationship at all. The interesting about red thing, red pill ideology is that it literally says that like a man's worth is directly tied to how many women he sleeps with. And so we're taking that and we're subverting that back against them and being like, okay, like if you're going to be a piece of trash, then women aren't going to sleep with you. And casual sex has gone down drastically. Have you seen those statistics where it's in the last generation of so like, didn't it drop by like 40% for men, the amount of sex they had in the last year or so. And I can't help but feel. Yeah. Like Gen, Gen Z, they don't fuck. Gen Z doesn't fuck. I think it was millennials too. And it was, yeah. And it's like, 
I, a lot of it is because why the sex is crap. These guys are just sitting around being coomers and consumers. They don't have the social skills to interact with women. And when they do, they're doing this red pill crap. And, uh, you know, it's just become not a venture that's worth it for women, right? And men aren't developing real skills to get women to have sex with them, which has generally been pro-social skills <laughs> rather than this uh, negging, abusive, crazy... Anti-social. Anti-social red pill stuff. Like, I like to compare certain ideologies to, like, certain mental disorders, right? So I say that libertarianism as a political philosophy is narcissism, where you just take benefiting yourself to the extreme, Red pillars are like if you take sociopathy or psychopath behavior, literally antisocial personality disorder, and then make that into an ideology. And then that's what that's what's permeating modern dating culture for men right now. They're not learning social skills. They're learning antisocial skills. Yeah, they're learning how to exploit generally women who are engaging them in good faith or women who are severely already emotionally damaged, right? Like the type of women who sleep around generally because they have see, I, there, people are going to be mad to say this, but like one of the things that we we put out there is that women who are sleeping around a lot, all that dick is just not good. That's just like statistic wise. Like I, we do not believe them. We, we are not buying the like sex, the sex in the city version of empowerment that they're just fucking all these guys. And it's just a nonstop party time. Like most of these guys are garbage in bed or, or average at best. And, or, you know, they just don't have the dick to do the job. Like our last episode, <laughs> like we, like we gently explained in our last episode that just, you know, physically, physically, some men just ain't going to cut and going to cut it. So, you know, us, when we look at the women that they're trying to game, it's either women who are engaging them in good faith and going 50, 50 and trying to do the right thing and virtue signaling, et cetera, or the women who are really are like the, I sleep with anybody for any reason. I have like severe emotional, you know, dysregulation issues, <laughs> but then they take that as like success. Yeah. I, I would say rather than framing it as like women who like sleep around, I would say it's more women who like crave companionship and who go out on, and it's very sad, actually, a lot of these women will go out on a limb and they'll have sex on the, the third date or whatever, because they think that a relationship is going to happen after that. And then mo more often than not, he just ends up ghosting her, right? What started out from the woman's perspective as like an extension of good faith and like making herself vulnerable and trying to like maybe build a connection. And so she's thinking, oh, if like I make him wait for wait too long for sex, then he'll lose interest in me. So I have to have sex with him right away if I want to keep his interest. And then the guy's just like, yeah, well, I got what I wanted. So like, peace out kind of thing. And then she's left feeling ripped off, basically. The reason why I made the distinction between the good faith one, which I think you you described, in, and then the liberal feminist posi, sex posi type is because I feel like the liberal feminist sex posi type are doing it for the attention and the I almost think like they're in denial about the reality of the situation <laughs> in a, in a way that I think women who are engaging in good faith are not. And that's, you know, I think why a lot of times we go in on like the fake sex posi types who are, they're just trying to prove something to that's just damaging themselves. They're trying to prove something to men that they're a badass and they can sleep around like guys can and that they live this empowered life. And it's just all a lie versus the women who are not saying that, but like trying to actually date and meet men who are getting screwed. And I think those are actually two different types of women. So here's the weird thing is like, I've actually never met a single woman in real life who actually thinks that sleeping around is empowering. That's something I've only seen online. Like this liberal feminist, uh, you know, I'm such a badass because I fuck a different guy every night thing. I've actually never met a real woman like like in real life. 
See, I have, and man, this is so, I'm going to tread lightly, but like generally they're in denial. I, and especially in college, I felt like there was a sizable group of women like this and they'll say one thing and then they're drinking themselves stupid every night. Right. It, I've seen that dichotomy in action where, oh yeah, yeah. Like if you're talking about just like the messy women, like, yeah, messy, there we go. Uh, the cat, the cat Marnells, the, the blonde girl from call her daddy, you know, the, the sort of like messy blondes who just like not just blind. I mean, I've seen it all over. Yeah, true. This is this is race neutral. But, uh, <laughs> sort of messy women who just um, they sleep around for the validation and the social connections and to feel like they're part of something. And it's an identity. They've built their identity around being sex positive. They built their identity around being sexually adventurous. So then, rather than sec- it being an expression or a part of who they are, it becomes their entire identity. The good time girl. Yeah. But even that is very sad because the, like, a lot of them are very mentally dysfunctional, like, really. Like, a lot of them are, yeah, like you said, they drink themselves to sleep every night. Um, If you see them on social media, they're talking about how they don't give a fuck. But then, you know, especially if you were dorming with them or you're friends with them long enough, you just start to see through the cracks in their bullshit where you know, for every guy, like they're, they are crying over the fact that some of these guys don't call them back, even though they're all on social media, like on to the next one, you know, <laughs> men are like bus, like buses. They come every 15 minutes, you know, and, and you just kind of see they've created this identity that I'll suck any dick anywhere. or I'll do whatever. I'm down for whatever. I'm this. And like, I'm better than everybody else because I, you know, I, I got it like that. And all these guys want me. It's kind of like, I don't know if you guys have Maury Povich out where you are. If they used to, <laughs> I used to have these like out of control teen segments and like in hindsight, it, they're super problematic, but uh, especially because most of these, like they're literal kids. They'd be like 13, 14 years old, but you just see them engaging in this like reckless wild behavior. And they'll be like, I fucked a guy for a cheeseburger and what, you know? And then, like, <laughs> and then in your head, you're like, girl, why? Like, why are you doing this? My point being that, yeah, these people do exist, but I feel like they are vastly overrepresented in media. Okay, yeah. First of all, because of how ridiculous they are. It's like a, their lives are a train wreck. And so they're weirdly, like, more morbidly entertaining to watch. Um, but again, like, it's it's uh, it's another sort of weird grooming thing. Like, the all of these people are out there, and, you know... Um, advertising this sort of idea on social media and then it sort of trickles down to real life dating and but mo- no the women i know in real life who have casual sex a lot of the times they what they what ended up being casual sex is because they thought that it was the beginning of a relationship and the guy just ghosted so yeah so it seems like it's another thing where the loudest people are the ones that are actually a minority but they seem prominent but they're for- they're the ones forming the narrative yeah yeah they're the ones that the media keeps giving the microphone to and i'm like these women mentally fucking ill stop letting them write this shit like they're all on drugs they don't know what they're talking about like i don't really they're yeah they're, their lives are a train wreck i don't i guess they were supposed to be entertained but like they'll, they'll prop them up as sex experts right they'll literally say sex expert dating expert dating and relationship expert and i'm like what about this person makes them an expert except for the fact that they have no self-awareness shame and are willing to do whatever with anybody and i don't think that's a sign of an expert i just feel like that's a person that's just a reckless person yeah I mean, you wouldn't call a person that just eats nothing but chicken fingers and McDonald's all the time a food expert just because they eat a lot of shit, right? (laughs) You like, you look at someone like Martha Stewart, they're sampling the best shit, right? I I want a dick connoisseur. I don't want like a dick glutton. 
right? <laughs> That's actually such a good point. I would, I would love to see. Yeah, I'm tired of listening to these dick gluttons, okay? These, like, McDonald's dick consumers, right? Yeah. Um, I want to see more, like, women out there who are, yeah, dick connoisseurs, like wine tasters. I only deal with luxury dick. I want luxury dick. If there are any, if there are any dick connoisseurs in the comments, please let us know. Sound off <laughs> about your luxury experiences. We would love to hear them. I feel qualified after our last, after last week's episode to... to- <laughs> Yeah, and all our all our subbies. There's there's some dick connoisseurs in the comments of that article. <laughs> dick connoisseurs, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But honestly, it, it, the whole red pill thing. It's one of those things where I don't know. They've flown too close to the sun, and now the wax is melting, and they're coming and crashing down. Like women are because so many uh, red pillars are prominent social media personalities. Like women are wising up and are learning these tactics, right? Like if a guy tries to neg me, I'm like block block and delete yeah they're gonna go outside and i feel bad for him because again this isn't the 19 you know 50s and 60s where they're they're banking on i'm gonna be 35 and my options are really gonna open up and let's just keep it a buck if you're attractive you wouldn't have gone to the red pill in the first place because you would have already gotten a lot of women and if you think you're gonna substantially increase your sexual market value um over a certain age to anything other than women of your age like you're just kidding yourself you're you, you know you're not like you're not Tom Brady. Let's just keep it like 100%. Even all these guys that are handsome and rich and have everything these guys wish and think they want, they're generally married to age appropriate women, right? Like they're married to probably equally attractive women, but you just not are not seeing like gargoyles get super hot wives unless they're f- like ridiculously wealthy and powerful like wine like Harvey Weinstein. Literal billionaires, yeah. The rest of these guys, you know, it's just not the way it works even for them. So just to wrap it up and tie it back to the theme of the episode, which is why are men nowadays so low value? I guess it could be summarized as men are just as misogynistic as they've always been, if not more so. The only difference is that now they don't have any of the benefits that would normally come with the traditional you know, male role. They've got all of the misogyny of traditional gender roles, but none of the positive masculinity, like paying for dates or building a house or fixing your car or you know, being a supportive father and community member and so on. And so a lot of women are just realizing that men ain't worth it. Most men nowadays just don't have anything to offer a woman. All they do is consume and take and take and take and they don't give back. They just don't do reciprocal relationships. And so I'm glad that more and more women are starting to realize that and are realizing that there's more to life than finding a man and that it's better to be single than to be with a low value man. Please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy, as well as our website at thefemaledatingstrategy.com. Thanks for listening, queens, and for all you coomers and consumers out there. Die mad. (laughs) 